Awesome. So great to see all of you for the visitors. My name is Martinez. I don't know why I did that. Um, yes, I'm one of the guys here. Kala is currently the guy who leads it. Is currently on a well-deserved sabbatical. So he's trusted myself and Ruan and Warren, who's with family this weekend. So yeah, it's a privilege to share today. So today I'm going to talk on going from being purely a spectator to being a participator. Yes, so this morning when they were busy praying, I was like, hey, who took my notes? How do you guys know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Um, so our son, Levi, got this amazing remote-controlled car. Now, this thing is insane. Not only does the wheel spin, but the base of the wheel spins. So if it runs into a wall, it just flips over and it goes the other way. And I tell you, it took everything in me to not grab the remote from him. It's so <laughs> difficult <laughs> as a dad to just stand there and watch him and not like, ah! Because you want to you wanna partake. You want to take part in what he's doing. And they say the older you get, the more you start buying gifts to your kids so that you can also play. And <laughs> I get it. I completely get it. So Levi took this remote control car to school for show and tell. And um, he was busy showing it to the kids, and obviously there were a few feeling like me. And this one boy was like, I'll give you two marbles <laughs> if I can play for two minutes. And Leo was like, sure, you can play. And he played, and then the kid came again, I'll give you another marble. <laughs> and Levi pitched up back at home, I think, with about five marbles a day. But I get it. I'm like that when it comes to technology. If I see like the latest virtual reality, I just want to experience this thing, you know? Or yesterday we went with the kids to a pump truck, amazing pump truck. And uh, while they were busy going, I was like, I'm glad they're enjoying it, but I want to be on that track, you know? I want to grab one of the bikes and just go for it. And it's just amazing how when we like something, we want to start partaking in something. So I remember a few years ago, myself and Sal went to this year-end function at a church. It was for all the leaders. And I don't know why I think we were holding hands, but we might have been holding hands. <laughs> and my hands were sweating because they had a karaoke. Any karaoke lovers? Yes. Any haters? So I was, yes. So I was just sitting there like, Please, God, don't let them call me up. Don't let, and I didn't enjoy anything of that evening. I didn't want to be on that stage. And everything in the soul was like, pick me, pick me. So you so wanted to go. And, yeah, for you, it might not be playing with your kid's remote control car or going on a pump track or singing karaoke. But there's something. There's something which, if our hearts are in it, we want to partake. And sometimes a good test is if you watch YouTube videos. Um, some of those videos you can just watch, and after a while you're like, ah, bored. Some of them you're like, I want to stop now, and I'm going to go do it. And that's usually a good way of knowing this is what my heart is in. But when I bring it to spirituality, I'm like, why do we sometimes not want to part participate? Why don't we want to grab the remote control car from God and go, I want to play why don't we want to grab a bike and go, I want to go on the pump track? And I think some of it is we don't see the need. We don't hear God's calling. We don't understand the importance 
and um, our hearts might just not be in it. And I think if you're sitting here today and you realize my heart is not in this thing, you need to pray. Because I can tell you, once your heart grasps it, you want to grab that remote. And um, the Bible says very clearly, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the same thing like you felt with a, what's it called in English? Candy floss or squirk awesome or the McDonald's. It's like if your heart is there, that's what you're going to consume. But if your heart is in healthy stuff, or in this case, Jesus himself, that's what you're going to consume, and that's where you'll want to participate. My daughter tells me every time I use this bottle, Dad, I gave you that bottle. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, she's not here to grab it from me. So, if you think of the word participation or the concept, it's always very important to look the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. So, if we go all the way back to Eden, and um, we look at it's an amazing place. It's this perfect place, and everything is good. Maybe the word perfect is not right, but everything is good. But it's, it just shows how important is it that in the very beginning, God already started to show us that we need to participate. He made us in his image, which shows we're supposed to portray him in some, in some way. So if I think in the beginning of Genesis when God says he made man, at that point, what do we know about God? At that point, what do we know about him? And we know that he's been busy working. I mean, he's been working hard. Light, darkness, dry, dry land, waters, different waters, <laughs> like different creatures on the, on the earth, vegetation, fish, birds, animals, and then finally us. So I think if he says he made us in his image, the expectation could be that he's calling us to do stuff because he's been doing it. So I would like to read, it was so funny, <laughs> Simone was like, is it really Genesis? Do you want to read from Genesis? Yes. Can we read from Genesis? Okay, so Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created man, let me maybe read there, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So even at that point, male and female, we can already see there's going to be a calling to relationship. Even at that point, that's one of the things he's going to call us to participate in relationship. And I'm not just, just meaning romantic. I'm meaning there's going to be different people you'll have to relate to. And then it goes on. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So there already we see he's calling us to even more than just relationship. Very special relationships <laughs> can become fruitful and multiply. Thank you, Isaac, for getting that. And um. And then it goes on, it says, and subdue it and have dominion over. So God's also calling us to rule, to have dominion, to subdue the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God puts Adam in the garden and he asks him, Adam, not just look at all the pretty stuff. He says, you need to tend this garden. He calls the animals, and he's just not, 
He's not like, hey, be wowed by what I've done. He's like, name them. So everything which I'm looking at, God's calling us to participate from the very, very, very beginning. That's in his heart for us to participate. And then I wonder, why do we think anything has changed when it comes to church life? That's how God started. Why would anything have changed? Even the two trees, it's like two very huge decisions for man to take. It's like God made them, but nothing really happens until humans partake in one of those two, and then the whole story starts to unravel. So it's, it's almost like God put everything in place. He did everything, and then he's like, okay, I want you to partake. What are you going to do? And we see this heart of God all the time. He's calling us to partake. So when I look at individuals in the Bible, there's so many examples of what he's doing. So to try and illustrate something, um, who of you like to watch, so I stopped for a while, but who of you like to watch these street artists? So they'll walk up to someone and like, hey, do you have a phone? And they'll take your phone and then they'll throw it in the water. And then there happens to be some kind of fishing rod and they chuck it in the water and out comes this bottle and they cut open the bottle and book, here's your iPhone. Have any of you have ever seen that? No. Okay, so I, I like watching these shows. I did stop. I think it became a bit of a candy floss for me. <laughs> but, but I think it's so, it's so amazing, and I think, wow, it's so cool. I would love to be able to do that. But once you know how it works, even the most crazy trick loses a bit of its amazement. It's like once you know how it works, it's like, nah, now I just want to trick people, you know? And when I take that to what God does, it's not like he does tricks, but he knows exactly how a miracle works. And when he tries to use us, it's not like he teaches us, hey, this is how it's going to work. He knows exactly how that thing's going to work. He has all the power. He knows exactly how he's going to do this thing, but he chooses to use us. So even in using us, we're still amazed at, whoa, is that what God is doing? It's like you bring a street artist and not knowing how your trick works. Okay. <laughs> so when I think of um, Moses and God taking that staff and turning it into a snake or the water into blood or the darkness, like all these things God uses because he wanted he heard his people crying, saying, God, help us. And he was like, I want to help them, but I'm going to use a guy. And I'm going to do some amazing stuff through this guy. <laughs> stuff he won't get. Stuff he won't understand. God's going to bring the power. God's going to do the stuff. But he wanted Moses to do it. Even when Moses was too scared, I was just thinking of it, to talk. It was like God went like, who made your tongue? God once told me this because I hated doing this, speaking in front of you guys. So um, also when I look at Gideon, it's like it almost becomes this thing of where's the sanity in this? Where God goes, no, use fewer people. I mean, they're going to war. And it's like, no, even fewer people, even fewer people. And after a while, it's like 300 people <laughs> against like thousands. But God wants to show that it's not about us. Like, he does the impossible. He just wants us to partake. 
And I love to see it like in Rahab, David, Daniel, Esther, like all these people. God does the impossible, but he wants to, us to partake in all of us. And it's almost like we can sit like the friends at show and tell at Levi's school and just look. Or we can be the boy with the marbles and go, <laughs> whatever I have, use me, you know. And God's going to do it. He's going to bring in all the power we need. So when I look at this God, I'm like, who is this God? Who is this God that he wants to use us? He knows that we can take like all the fame. He knows that we can mess up, but he still wants to use us. He knows that we can walk away, ignore him, not even thank him, but still he chooses to use us. And when I look at that, I'm just amazed. I'm amazed at this God. And um, sometimes it almost feels like he constrains himself to us. I'm not saying he's not all-powerful. I mean, if you really want something done, sorry for you, it's going to happen. But it feels to me like sometimes he constrains himself to us because he wants to use us. And for me, that's just amazing. It shows me an awesome God. It shows me so much of his power, his character, his attributes, his love. And when I take it back to me as a dad, it's almost like my kids coming to me going, hey, I would really love to help you fix the bike. How many of you have tried to fix a bike with your kids? Thank you, thank you. It's taking much longer to, <laughs> to use your kids, isn't it? Like, you'll do something, they'll do something, they'll break it, you'll fix it again. And it, it just takes so much longer. But you want to do this thing because you want them to experience something of this. And you also want to build into this relationship. So when I look at this, I, I just see this amazing God who wants us to partake, who wants us to get to know him better in participating. So whenever we don't know Whenever we don't understand the Father, the Bible is clear. We can look at Jesus. So if you can put up John 1.18, it says, no one has ever seen God. No one, none of us have ever seen God. The only God who has at the Father's side, he has made him known. Is that the only spot? Okay, I'll, I'll read to you. Anyways, so mine says, <laughs> no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, in as at the Father's side, he has made him known. It's quite different. Okay, so I'll read another verse, just to show this. John 14, verse 9. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and still you do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? See, when we look at Jesus, we see the Father. So this God we don't get, this God we're like, why would you want to use me? Why do you want me to not just sit and participate, well, just sit and look at what you've done? Why, who is this God? We can look at Jesus, and when we look at his life, his love, his relationship with people, how he cared, how he healed, how he set free, how he, just all the stuff he did, how he provided, he multiplied. He, um, yeah, just even when he was on that ship, I, 
I used to um, kite surf. I don't a lot anymore, but now and again, myself and Kapi try and go. There's always an issue with our kites. But when you, sometimes when that wind takes you, you just get new respect for, for the wind. And I'm looking at Jesus, and he just went like, be still. No more wind. Sorry, kite surfers. <laughs> I mean, that's like hectic. And when I look at that, I'm like, he just shows us the Father. He just shows us the Father so much. So if uh, there's a verse that says he's the image of an invisible God, but then there's also an Im- uh, in John 5, 19, if you can put that up. It says, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. So see there, Jesus sees. That's one part of what we do on earth. We watch. We do spectate. That is part, but we mustn't remain spectators. It says, whatever the father does, that the (laughs) son does likewise. So see, Jesus becomes a participator. He shows that he's, he's waiting on God. Like uh, LaSalle also said, don't, don't get into this rush. Like wait on God, try and hear what God is wanting to do, see what God is doing. But then don't stop there. Start participating, start doing. Like Jesus shows the perfect participation. But then he also shows us how perfectly God wants us to participate in what God is doing. And we see the best in the 12 disciples. So just imagine you're one of them. So you are following Jesus and you're seeing those guys. I often wonder about this where Jesus walks past the two blind guys, eh? And they're like, son of David, have mercy on us. And he just walks past. I'm like, why would he do that? (laughs) There's very good explanations. But now you're walking with Jesus, and you see him heal the people, and you see him cast out demons, and you see him raise people from the dead. I'm sure something in you must go, that's so cool. I would love to do that. And then one day you hear, hey, Stewie, come here, bring Denton with you. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you authority. And <laughs> yes. And I'm going to send you out. I want you guys to heal. I want you guys to go and drive out demons. I want you guys to raise people from the dead. Isn't that insane? And that's what he's calling all of us. He's calling all of us to do the stuff. And he doesn't want us to do it out of our own effort. He gives us the power. He gives us the authority. Yes. So... And it makes me think of um, that verse that says he's, he's made like all these things for us to do. He just wants us to walk in those things. So there's already so much he's done, but we need to participate in doing those things. So even if I think of salvation, Jesus does everything. He does everything. But the Bible does say we need to believe. We need to confess. So even in that, we partake. We don't save ourselves, but God says you need to believe. You need to confess. And a natural outflow of that is we tell others, and then they get saved. And then in the spirit, we already see fruitfulness. Like way back in Genesis where God spoke about the physical fruitfulness, here we already start seeing a spiritual fruitfulness. 
So this morning we were praying, and um, who was it? Yucky, I think. He said, yeah, God, let it not just be something today, but let it last the whole week. And I was thinking, so often we get swayed by emotions, but God wants like an actual fruitfulness. And I, I had this idea of having a baby. <laughs> if you just have a... <laughs> It's funny. <laughs> my, once, my wife once made this joke of me. She's like, oh, what about another one? So she was quite shocked when I went, sure, let's have one. <laughs> She's like, no, tell me you're joking. No. Okay. So, but um, even, even in that, like, it can be an emotional thing of, ah, or God can do something in you that's almost like a spiritual baby. Now, a baby doesn't care how you feel. It wants to be fed. It wants its nappies to be changed. It wants you to, to look after it, to put it to bed. It's like, regardless of how you feel, you have to participate in this baby. And often I think during a Sunday, we must trust God for those kind of things, not just the emotions, but the spiritual baby stuff, where we get something which he asks us to do. And it makes me think of... Uh, once we get saved, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, not just for us to enjoy, but to participate in building up the body to the full maturity in Christ. I would like to read this verse. Uh, I don't know. It's on communion. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. It says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. That's amazing. Like even communion, we need to partake. It's not just the image. It's not just a cross on the wall. It's not just some kind of t-shirt you wear. Even that is you're doing something at least, but... <laughs> Communion is partaking. You have to partake. You can't just say, I'm a Christian. You have to partake. And he's calling us to do it as often as we can. So and it makes me think of that waiting on him. Like sometimes we, in such a hurry, we need to wait on. We need to come to Jesus and partake of him. But wait, there's more. So one of the things that really gets to me sometimes is when people talk about heaven and they paint this image of us sitting on these fluffy clouds, playing our harps. I don't know how I'll do, but I'll try. <laughs> and it just, <laughs> it really gets to me. It's just like such a lie. It's such a foreign concept. It's such a misrepresentation of God and what he's calling us to one day. I mean, even if you look at Eden, like this perfect place, even there God wanted us to work. Why would in heaven he'll go, oh, no, that was a bad choice. It's just so weird. And um, we just think of a place where there's no sin, where your flesh doesn't take, draw you back, where you can actually have a job. Often jobs start like this. You do something, you enjoy it, and then it becomes your job and it becomes a drag. It's not going to be like that in heaven. Just think of like a place where you have joy in him, where you're fulfilled in what he's calling you, where there's no sin. 
That's, that's how I see it when I think of heaven. Now, just to show you there's more participation coming, if you read 1 Corinthians 6, it says, do not take your brother to court. Okay? And then the one verse says, do you not know that you will judge the world? And then I'm like, okay, I, I don't see myself yet doing that. But then the next verse says, do you not know that you will judge angels? I don't know about you guys, when last you had a Wednesday coffee with an angel and told him, mm -mm. <laughs> I don't like what you're doing. I'm not there, and I know theologically there's something I don't yet grasp, but I just know there's more coming. There's more coming, and God wants us to participate in bigger things, but he does say, be faithful in the little so that he can trust you in more. So Jesus said that he will not even drink wine. Just before he got crucified, he said, I'm going to stop drinking wine until one day in the kingdom. There's a feast coming. He wants us to partake in that feast. It says now we see in part, but one day we'll see in full. One day we'll be fully known. So even relationships is going to be so different. And he's calling us now to have relationships, but there. Um, I think of a transfiguration where Jesus had this all shine thing happening, and then there's Moses and Elijah, and sorry, I didn't mean it at all in a disrespectful way. I was just trying to say something very extraordinary happened. And then Moses and Elijah was there, but immediately the disciples knew who they were. It's not like they were asking, Jesus, who are those guys? There was a knowing. So just imagine in heaven, if they could already know who Moses and Elijah was, imagine how intimate we can know Jesus. Isn't that insane? It's going to be incredible. And worship, I don't know how many of you sometimes on a Sunday stand here and you start thinking of what you still have to do at the office, what you still have to go and study, having to feed kids, thinking of like, something or struggling in your body or just going, oh, is anyone else feeling like this? We're going to have none of that. No sin, nothing drawing us back. It's going to be perfect and pure. Even serving Jesus is going to be perfect. So if you can put up uh, 2 Timothy 2 verse 12. It says, if we endure. Now I know there's a whole thing about this. <laughs> Just want to put it out there. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So there's a reigning that's going to happen with Jesus. I don't know how that looks yet. I don't know how it's going to be. But what I do know is it's going to be a perfect way. Reigning with Christ himself. Doing amazing things with him. But start now. He's calling us to be faithful in the little now. And then my, one of my favorite verses, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. It says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. 
Isn't that just a mind-blowing verse? If I think of the wildest fantasy movie I've ever seen, that doesn't compare, it doesn't come close to what God has decided for us. If I think of a wildest dream in my heart, the wackiest thing I've ever heard, none of that comes close to what God has prepared for us if we are found in Christ. And he wants us to participate. And then the last verse, uh, Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing. Isn't that crazy? Like, it acknowledges we are going through sufferings, but it's not even worth to compare. That's hectic. It's not even worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So what I tried to do today was just to show that in the very beginning, God called us to partake. He called us to participate. One day, when we're perfect with him, he's going to ask us to do stuff with him and to be with him and to reign with him. Why would we think now? What is withholding us now to take part in what Jesus is calling us, what he's doing now in church? So let's all maybe stand up. Maybe if we can have a, a musical tune, that would be nice. <laughs> so I'm going to do two calls, and maybe we can all close our eyes now. Maybe you're here today and you think like, you know what? I already do amazing stuff. I, I work hard. I give away money. I, I do incredible things that God said that our best works are like filthy rags. Our best works are filthy rags. And it says in the Bible that all our works are going to be tested one day. And those that are burning up, that was worthless. But those that are gold and silver, those kind of works are going to last and the only way we can have lasting fruit is in Jesus Christ. So this morning, I just wanted to ask, if there's anyone here who's not found in Jesus, I would love to introduce you to him. I was a young man. I pretty much OD'd on drugs. And God allowed me to taste a glimpse of hell, just a glimpse I'm not saying I was in hell, I'm not saying any of that, but I became so aware of the reality of hell and being forever separated from God. And even the little bit of hope we have on this earth, the little bit of joy, the little bit of love we will not have in hell one day. So if you've never come to Christ, I would really love to introduce you to Him because He's the way, He's the only way, He's the one who opened up the gates so that we can be with a father one day. So if there's anyone here today who does not yet know Jesus, who does not yet have your sins forgiven, who, who is not yet okayed with a father, I would love to pray with you this morning. Is there anyone like that here today? If you can just indicate with a hand or something, we would love to pray with you.
Awesome. Someone will definitely pray with you now. Maybe Ruan, if you can pray with. I can't. I know most of us are saved. <laughs> but I know some are not. I once heard the story of a guy who was about to be hanged and he had this clergyman in front of him and this guy said, you know what? If you really believed in hell, you would be crawling on glass telling me about hell, telling me and trying to get me out of hell. So hopefully today I'm doing a little bit of that. If you have not made right with God, please do. Please do. It's an eternity without Him. It's terrible. And there's no way out. Then maybe the second group, before I pray into that, um, I'm going to ask LaSalle to share something she felt. Um, a while ago, I had a word for us as leaders, and it was a a picture that God has shown me, and we've shared it at the leader's time, and I've just said to Martinez this morning, I really feel like it's for us as well. Um, God showed me a picture of this beautiful table, and Jesus sitting at the table, and it was this amazing feast that he has prepared for us as his children. And there were all these seats around the table, but I saw three different kinds of people not wanting to participate, and they were sort of standing on the outskirts in isolation while people were feasting and just having an amazing time with Jesus and celebrating. And the one person was standing on the side and just feeling like, what do I have to bring to the table? I don't have anything to bring. And I just saw this person full of insecurity, full of, like, I can't actually come. Ah, my little spiritual gift is worth nothing, or I'm too shy, or Whatever, and I just really felt like the Lord says there's a place at the table for you. Um, and the second person was also someone who stood on the side and they were looking and they were saying, oh, I don't want to sit around the table because of that person or that person. Why is that person sitting next to Jesus? And comparing, comparing with one another. And then the third person was someone who is also standing on the side and actually just didn't want to participate and feast because they were not hungry anymore for Jesus. They were not hungry for spiritual things because they were filling themselves with worldly stuff. They were filling themselves with junk food. And I just kept feeling like the Lord is saying, there's a place around the table for each and every one of you. So come, come and feast of me. Come and taste, come and taste and see that I'm good. So 